Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is part of a series we call Poets' Corner. Today's feature is from Book 9, Part 22 of Milton's Paradise Lost. Podcast 223 is entitled Temptation of Eve, Part B. In the preface to Book 9, Milton presents the following abstract. Eve requires him to bring her to that tree and finds it to be the tree of knowledge forbidden. Eve still does not know that she is talking to Lucifer. She sees only the fantastic-looking serpent with its strange powers of speech and beautiful disguise. So talked the spirited sly snake, and Eve, yet more amazed, unwearied, thus replied. Eve continues to refer to the fact that she and Adam will bear children who will help tend the garden. She does not comprehend the fact that to bear children, she must leave the Garden of Eden. She has not figured out that Lucifer is talking about the forbidden fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. She is still deceived. Serpent, thy overpraising leave in doubt the virtue of that fruit in thee first proved. But say, where grows the tree? From whence? How far? For many are the trees of God that grow in paradise, and various yet unknown to us. In such abundance lies our choice as leaves a greater store of fruit untouched. Still hanging incorruptible, till men grow up to their provision, and more hence help to disburden nature of her birth. The subtle serpent gives no hint that he has taken her to the tree bearing the forbidden fruit. He is delighted with her naivete. To whom the wily Adler, blithe and glad, express. The way is ready, and not long, beyond a row of myrtles on a flat, fast by a fountain, one small thicket past of blowing myrrh and balm. If thou accept my conduct, I can bring thee thither soon. There is no hesitation with innocent Eve, but in fairness she was not privy to all the warnings of Raphael to Adam. She only overheard part of the conversation. Lead then, said Eve. He leading swiftly rolled in tangles and make intricate seem straight to mischief swift. Hope elevates and joy brightens his crest as when a wandering fire compact of unctuous vapor which the night condenses and the cold environs round kindle through agitation to a flame. Which oft they say, some evil spirit attends, hovering and blazing with delusive light, misleads the amazed night-wanderer from his way to bogs and mires and off through pond or pool, there swallowed up and lost from succor far. So glistered the dire snake, and into fraud led Eve, our credulous mother, to the tree of prohibition, root of all our woe, which when she saw, thus to her guide she spake. 
When Eve perceives that the snake has led her to the forbidden fruit, she speaks frankly, but she is still innocent. She talks to the serpent as if he had made some mistake and thus has wasted his time. But Eve is out of her depth. Milton refers to Eve as unwary and credulous. He refers to Lucifer as enemy of mankind, guileful tempter, sly snake, and wily adder. Serpent, we might have spared our coming hither, fruitless to me, though fruit be here to excess, the credit of whose virtue rest with thee. Wondrous indeed, if cause of such effects. But of this tree we may not taste nor touch, God so commanded, and left that command sole daughter of his voice. The rest we live law to ourselves, our reason is our law. Lucifer tries to show the contradiction in God's commands. He asks, if God made you lords of the earth, why would he forbid you from eating from every tree? To whom the tempter guilefully replied, Indeed, hath God then said that the fruit of all these garden trees ye shall not eat? Yet lords declare of all the earth or air. Eve misses the irony. To whom thus Eve yet sinless, of the fruit of each tree in the garden we may eat, but of the fruit of this fair tree amidst the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat thereof, nor shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Milton, of course, is quoting Genesis. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Not only the fruit, but the tree itself is poison and causes an immediate change to the chemistry of the body, making it subject to death. They are immortal in the Garden of Eden. Knowledge is not in the fruit of the tree. Knowledge is in the experience of mortality. When Adam and Eve were cast out of the Garden of Eden, they suffered two deaths, a physical death and a spiritual death. In physical death, their spirits would be separated from their body. In spiritual death, they were cut off from the presence of God. They violated the law of justice. Of course, there was a second tree in the Garden of Eden called the Tree of Life. The only tree that was forbidden was the Tree of Knowledge of Good and Evil. It could also be called the Tree of Death because it brought death into the world. The fruit of the Tree of Knowledge of Good and Evil brought mortality. Experience in mortality brought knowledge of good and evil. Before they ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they could eat freely of the fruit of the tree of life. It was not forbidden. After all, they were already immortal, and the fruit brought immortality. Why then did the Lord forbid them to eat of the fruit of the tree of life after they ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Why did the fruit of the tree of life suddenly become the forbidden fruit? If they could freely eat of the fruit of the tree of life before the fall, why didn't the Lord at least give them the choice of eating of the fruit of the tree of life after the fall? The answer is simple. It would have entirely destroyed the plan of salvation. It would have destroyed any possibility of an atonement. Without death, there could be no atonement because there could be no resurrection. The atonement is entirely tied up in the resurrection. You are not even invited to live in the kingdom of God until after the resurrection and final judgment. You cannot be perfected without a resurrection. One of the greatest punishments of the wicked is that they will be the last to be resurrected. 
Only those who come forth in the first resurrection will be invited to live forever with God. That is what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 15. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. If you read between the lines, Paul appears to be implying that those who shine like the sun, in other words, the celestial bodies, will be the first to be resurrected. Those who shine like the moon, in other words, the terrestrial bodies, will be the second to be resurrected. And those who shine like the stars will be the third or last to be resurrected. In the book of Revelation, John tells us, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Revelation 26. The two deaths were eternal, unless Christ redeemed them from the fall. The only way Christ could redeem them from the fall was to satisfy the law of justice which was beyond the power of Adam and Eve. In their sinful state, they could not redeem themselves. The only way that Christ could satisfy the law of justice was to pay for the sins of Adam and Eve. The only way he could pay for their sins was to suffer the full penalty of the law of justice in Gethsemane, where he took upon himself the sins of the world, causing him to bleed at every pore. That was the first blood sacrifice. The second blood sacrifice occurred when he died on the cross with nails driven into his hands and feet. The reason Adam and Eve had to leave the Garden of Eden was because of the tree of life. They could not be redeemed from the fall unless they suffered a physical death. The fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil brought physical death. The fruit of the tree of life brought physical life. If they had eaten of the fruit of the tree of life, after they ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they would have lived forever, thus negating the physical effects of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That posed an enormous problem. Though their physical bodies would have lived forever, they were still under the penalty of the law of justice and could never have returned to the presence of God. They would have remained forever in a sinful state. Christ could not save them unless they suffered a physical death. Only perfect people can live in the presence of God. The resurrection from the dead is an essential element of our perfection. Death rids us of the old body. The resurrection gives us a new body, a spiritually perfect body, which is also immortal. But there is a vast difference between the immortal body Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden and the resurrected body Christ will give us. The tree of life in the Garden of Eden is not the same as the tree of life we read about in John. The tree of life in the Garden of Eden had no spiritual powers. It merely gave the physical body immortality. Do not confuse immortality with eternal life. If Adam and Eve had eaten of the fruit of the tree of life, after eating of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they would have had immortal bodies forever under the power of Satan. In other words, they would forever be in Satan's domain because, like Satan, they could never return to the presence of God. Christ could not save them because there would be no death and no resurrection. Without death and the resurrection, Christ would be helpless. Think about it. Christ was born of Mary. 
Without death, Mary would have had an immortal body. If Mary had an immortal body, Christ would not have had a choice between life and death. It must be understood that Christ always had a choice. He was the Son of God, therefore he was immortal. He was the Son of Mary, therefore he was mortal. No one could take Christ's life away from him without his permission, because of his immortal father. But because of his mortal mother, Christ could willingly give up his life. The only reason the Romans had power over Christ is because Christ allowed it. Remember the words of Christ to Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priests and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled, that thus it must be? Matthew twenty six fifty one through 54 The Savior taught, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment which I receive of my Father. John ten seventeen through 18 Satan is more powerful than man. Therefore, Satan would make mankind his slaves forever. Through death and the resurrection, however, they could have immortal bodies forever with Christ in the kingdom of God. Immortality simply means the absence of death. Eternal life means living in the presence of God forever. We hope you're enjoying the podcast on Milton's Paradise Lost, published each Monday. In podcast 228, Temptation of Eve C., we shall conclude the section on the temptation of Eve. That shall be followed the following week by podcast 233, The Temptation of Adam. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.